0: As you know, the On Farm podcast is brought to you by the team at Seen and Heard PR and Marketing. And I just wanted to remind you about a new initiative that's happening here called On Record. On Record is a project to preserve voices, stories, and memories for the future with your very own audio recording. So we're recording memories of rural life. We're travelling around Scotland, working with families and organisations to capture precious voices of family members or staff members or long-serving office bearers Welcome and thank you for listening to this edition of the On Farm Podcast in association with the Royal Highland and Agricultural Society of Scotland. I'm Anna Davis. Straight off the bat, a bit of housekeeping. We normally publish episodes on a Monday, but we're putting this one out today on Thursday the 18th of June 2020, because today should have been the start of the Royal Highland Show. We know many of you will be feeling a bit lost today, I know I certainly am, but hopefully we can help you get in the Highland Show spirit, even if we can't be there in person. Most of this episode is taken up with a wide-ranging chat between Highland Society Chief Executive Alan Laidlaw and Cabinet Secretary for the Rural Economy and Tourism Fergus Ewing MSP.
1: I'm very proud of the fact that farmers have risen to occasion. You know, I don't know that the, the cattle or the sheep know that we're in the middle of a pandemic. They'll keep producing milk, they keep needing to be fed.
0: There'll be lots to get our teeth into in that. First, though, we're taking a look back at everything so far in the Royal Highland Society podcasts. If you've not yet had a chance to listen to the six episodes leading up to this one, maybe this will whet your appetite.
2: Reality then really struck home at that point.
0: We started by asking Rass' Alan Laidlaw and, in this clip, Chairman Bill Gray to tell us how it felt making the monumental decision to cancel this year's show.
2: From an emotion emotion point of view, I actually have a vivid memory of sort of saying, right, well, I'm sorry, but, you know, that is a decision. And I just suddenly thought, wow. We in the boardroom, the four of us, just looked at each other and we didn't say much for a couple of minutes, really, realistically.
0: Episode two, Meet Me in the Usual Place, was all about the vital social connection of rural shows. We heard how the show sparks and rekindles valuable friendships and how staying connected is vital for all of our mental health. Also, how many people do you know who got romantically involved with someone they met at the Highland? Janie and Andrew did. We
3: had a few drinks.
2: <laughs> probably fair to say. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and we had a really good chat that yeah. night, and yeah, sort of after that, we we started to see a bit more of each other. You started texting me. <laughs>
3: well,
0: <yeah. laughs> and do you remember what I asked you? What did you I ask? said? How many acres do you have? Oh yeah, probably. <laughs> many people will miss the Ret tent this year. Episode three was all about how their food education work has gone online to help homeschooling. My name is Alison Bankier and I am a home economics teacher in East Kilbride. I've even got some kids who don't know the seasons, who can't name me the four seasons. And then even in the senior phase across practical cookery and in health and food technology, to be able to teach that, we need Rhett. we couldn't probably do it without Rhett and then all the links that they've got to other food education partners episode 4 was called taking care of business we heard from some familiar names about the trade and deal making at the show and how business and pleasure can definitely mix it makes those four summer days at Ingolston worth 65 million pounds to the scottish economy
3: day 1 of uh, the watson seeds business for, for me was the actual highland show so Those four days in 1990, 30 years ago, were very, very key for me. You know, I rattled round and and spoke to a good 200 clients, potentially.
1: I sometimes really struggle with the the fine line that is business and pleasure. It's so much fun. My name is Robert Taylor. I'm a partner with Galbraith uh, Property Land Agents. We do have hospitality on our stand. It can turn into a few old uh, hurri ali, as they say in Gaelic. Uh, I think it's just a great thing. We can offer people a glass of something cold and a light refreshment. And if people want to come and speak to us, as I said, in, in months or years to come after that, then that's what we do.
0: Number five took us inside the food hall, Scotland's Larder Live, to look at how competitions and exhibitions at rural shows drive up food standards and benefit all of us as consumers. We heard from a range of top producers, including the Buffalo Farms' Steve Mitchell.
3: You know, if you've got a good product, the buyers will suss you out and it's a great platform for that, you know. Yeah, for them
0: to find you. For them
3: to find you or or become aware of you and then you're on their their radar, so...
0: Absolutely. And in our most recent episode, the one just below this one in your podcast feed, we looked at what non-rural audiences get out of the show. What brings almost a quarter of a million people back year after year?
1: It's so varied. Chainsaw artistry, followed on by mountain bike stunts and then go and grab a burger and listen
0: to a Kayleigh band. We can drive through lots of fields and see lots of cows and say that we understand the agriculture of Scotland but I I think the only opportunity I've really got to learn anything about it is at the Royal Highland Show.
1: We also get to face a bit of the reality of food a little. You hunt for food, you know, animals need to be deceased. It's good to face that and it's a really good place to do it and a sensible and mature... We.
0: In future episodes, we're going to meet with some of the show's award winners, hear about the history and heritage of the show, and find out how the Highland Society spends its money supporting various aspects of the rural economy and rural life. If you don't already, please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. We also really need you to bang the drum for us and support us. Tell people around you that the On Farm podcast is here to tell the brilliant stories of rural Scotland, especially tell people who might not know about podcasts or think they're for them. On Farm is always going to be free to listen to and it's always going to be packed with stories and voices from rural Scotland. We're very much on your side, but we need your support simply through listening and sharing episodes to keep going. Here we go then. Earlier this week, we connected via video call with Alan Laidlaw, Chief Executive of RAS and Cabinet Secretary for Rural Economy and Tourism, Fergus Ewing MSP. It's a great, wide-ranging chat covering lots of important rural issues. Alan will take it from here.
3: Thank you, Anna. Hello, uh, Cab Secretary. How are you today? good i'm fine. Um, well yeah we would normally be welcoming you on the steps of Ingleston house and you'd have a schedule as long as your arm of a place as you needed to be but slightly slightly different circumstances this year you're a regular visitor at the highland show um, and other shows and uh, i suppose it'd be interesting to hear what you think the whole of the cancellation of these events is this year and what uh, what that whole means to the community
1: well, you're absolutely right. Um, I, I I would be uh, attending the the Royal Highland Show. Uh, obviously, it's it's the premier event in the agricultural calendar, and normally, uh, Alan, um, I would attend on the Thursday and Friday that gets me out of parliamentary duty. So you know, I, I like getting out out and about, and I do very much enjoy it. Although, as you say. Um, the slight frustration is I never quite get enough time to spend in the food hall, for example, because, you know, there's just so many things that you would like to stop off and maybe do a wee bit of shopping for a, for the family at home. But they're, they're usually with the schedule isn't the time because, you know, I'm going from one speaking engagements to another, um, usually about 10 or 12 events each day. But the really sad thing I think is that it's, it's really the the fulcrum of of rural life in scotland it's greatly en- enjoyed by tens of thousands of people of all walks of life and it really is sad that it won't be it won't be happening this year but we'll be back we will be back next year i'm quite sure i i hope i'll be back as well
3: yeah of course uh, you know your your um comments there are kind and i think most people who've got busy schedules always feel that there's something round the corner at the show that they can't quite get to it's a, a you know you're very hands on you you like to engage with your constituents of interest and of your constituency you know what does the highland show and other events like that give you as a as a chance to engage at that one to one level
1: well it's it's a tremendous opportunity to catch up with people and quite often i do arrange to meet uh, specific groups, specific individuals at the Highland Show because everybody is there. And everyone's in good woods in the Highland Show. It's usually the way the sun is out, everybody is looking cheerful. And, you know, farmers don't smile all the time, even when they get their payments on time from us. You know, they, uh, there's not always smiling faces. As, as I sit watching the, the assorted ranks of the NFU AGM in February, uh, you know, even although we we paid... Uh, Eighteen thousand six hundred and seventy-four from memory on time in in October. Actually, two months earlier than the rest of the UK. Um, I actually only got three thank you letters. Would you credit? Would you credit that,
3: Alan? I'm I'm uh, I, I don't know if I might say that I'm surprised you got three. Sometimes because I think um, people are people farming community are, are sometimes uh, slow uh, to to make their feelings known, and and I think that's one of the things we've been talking about in some of the episodes of the podcast about that social connection and that opportunity, as you say, for people to be in a good mood and to be hopefully relatively relaxed. And it's a, it's quite often a different type of conversation that you have at a show as you would a desk or something else. Do you find that, do you think?
1: Yes, I do. I think uh, people are by and large in, in a very cheerful mood. Many people will come down from the Highlands and maybe make a make a few days of it, and rightly, rightly so. And, of course, also, as well as as well as well the loss of the Highland Show, I mean, shows all over Scotland are not taking place this year. And for most of the last oh, uh, three decades, myself and my family go to the Nairn Show, the Granton Show, the Moy Game Fair, Nettie Games, the Inverness Games. Most years of the last 30 years, I've attended these events. And apart from being enjoyable, you attend because it is a chance to meet people locally. So all over the country, that experience for the the rural segment of Scotland, the rural communities to meet each other is lost. That's a very sad thing. I I mean, I expect that when we emerge from lockdown, that, you know, impromptu arrangements will be made and, you know, informal gatherings of various types will take place, hopefully observing social distancing and so on, but but you can't make up for the real McCoy. So um, the loss of that particularly sort of bonhomie that characterises the Highland Show is is, is a sad thing. Not only that, but, uh, you know, it's an opportunity for many people to catch up with the latest in technology, the latest in innovation, to hear quite distinguished speakers at, for example, Ingolston House. It's an opportunity to do business for many, many farmers. Um, So all these different interlocking parts of what people get out of the show will this year, sadly, not be uh, available to us.
3: No, that's that's right. And, and I think, you know, it comes at a time when a lot of farmers have been in isolation through calving and lambing and sowing and, and, you know, planting and things in different pressures. And, and we always talk about the Royal Highland Show being a great coming together after that busy spell. I'd be interested to hear your views, Cabinet Secretary, on, you know, the the farming and rural community Response to COVID and and how they've responded to what's happened and and how they've you know developed and and changed tax because as we know farmers are entrepreneurial and and resilient individuals and they can make changes quite quickly and and you've probably seen quite a lot of that in your hot seat.
1: Well I think the the farming community of Scotland have really risen to the occasion you know farming has carried on throughout you know I don't know that the 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 cattle or the sheep know that we're in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, They'll keep producing milk. They keep needing to be fed and looked after. So farming has continued. I think what's not been immediately obvious has been that although farming has continued, there's been perhaps less um, assistance, less labour. I've spoken to many farmers who have done more of the physical side of farming themselves than perhaps in previous years, and one or two that have... Added uh, several inches to their hair length, uh, but, but on the other hand, lost a few inches uh, around the waist through more frequent manual work. Um, I'm very proud of the fact that farmers have risen to the occasion. I'm also proud of the fact that uh, you know the ARPIT offices have, have done us proud. I haven't announced the, the, this year's pay- payment performance and meeting the target, but let's just say that I'll have a smiley face when I make the announcement. You know, I think that the people in the RPID offices have really done us proud. And the interesting thing there, Alan, is, and this this is maybe something that we'll look to learn from the future, is that um, most of the 600, and 600 people that work in RPID have been working from home, but they've managed to maintain and perhaps improve their record this year, despite working from home. And I think more people are thinking, well, we can do more things from home than we realise. Um, If we have, and once we get improved digital connection, ultra-fast or super-fast broadband, then I think post-COVID we will see people working, you know, for for Microsoft or or Twitter or, uh, you know, or or, or the Royal Bank of Scotland uh, or BT, being able to live anywhere. And that, I think, could be an extraordinary boost to the rural economy. Particularly if, as I hope, we can see uh, post-COVID being able to do more things in the countryside with a looser planning system, so that farmers and crofters are freed up to do more with the land they've got, with permitted development rights, for example, for housing. And if, if uh, one of the impacts of COVID is more homeworking, more use of digital, less spending time in a tin can on the M8 or wherever, more time spent at home more time with the family, more flexibility. All these things actually will, if you think about it, mean that there will be a boost to the popularity of life in rural Scotland, because in many, many ways, you can have a better quality of life in so many parts of rural Scotland than in some areas in our cities. So I think COVID might actually lead to, to some longer term changes. But getting back to the question, yeah, farmers have done a terrific job. They've kept the food on the table, They've reminded us of the importance of food and producing food here and the risks of global food security and the fragility of imports. All of these things are, are good news for farming, I think.
3: I think I think that's right and people there is a connection that people are making with food and where food comes from like non, never before in in recent memory and you know you only need to see how people are worried about getting hold of staples and you know the fact that we have flour shortages because people are baking and knowing how to bake uh, huge. I suppose, Cabinet Secretary, how do you, what part do you think that farmers and, and rural businesses can play in in the immediate sort of position of, of helping lift lockdown and, and helping the, the the recovery phase if we can start to, to look beyond where we've been over the last few months?
1: Well, I think, you know, uh, working by example, you know, farmers have, have carried on. That provides confidence to others that, you know, life can resume. You know, I've been very pleased that the whole supply chain, the processors, the, the abattoirs, the marts, have been able to continue. They've adapted very quickly. And also, you know, I think there's maybe another area of change, which is that we've been pressing the supermarkets, retailers, and some of the food to go quite hard to support more local and Scottish and British produce to import less, for example, meat. I've spent a lot of time speaking to the bosses of supermarkets, recognising that many of them do quite a lot of good things. And many of them could do more. Some of them could do quite a lot more in supporting Scotch uh, beef, for example, but also our dairy side and boost demand for dairy because there's been a bit of pressure both on dairy and meat prices. The other thing that's happening is uh, there will be a, an interesting green beef plan come forward about how to... Far more sustainably using environmental practice in in um, a the beef cattle side, we hope that that will come forward fairly soon. There's an opportunity for Scotland to lead the world in that respect as well. So you know the the thinking hasn't stopped, even although the the lockdown has has carried on.
3: Yeah, the, I mean that's right, and and every business has thought about how they can cope with change and changes to supply uh, chains and, and things like that. Um, we've talked uh, and you've talked recently, Cabinet Secretary, about rural tourism and, and the key role that it plays on both farms and in our rural economy. Um, I think lots of people heard you last week in, in Parliament talking about a potential resumption should all factors continue in the way that they have been around the 15th of July. You know, can you tell us a bit more about that and how optimistic you're feeling about the, the agritourism sector and, and rural tourism in general?
1: Indeed, well, I, you know, I think agri-tourism has improved in leaps and bounds in, in the last last uh, ten years, and will continue to do so. You, you're right, Alan. Last week, I announced the, the date of the 15th of July is the target date for resuming tourism, and that means uh, that means all accommodation, and it means restaurants and bars, provided social distancing can be observed. It means uh, visitor attractions uh, as well. Most things, really, apart from things like pop concerts. And conferences where people are kind of cheap by jowl, that's more challenging. So the aim, Alan, is to remove the restrictions on general travel so that people from all over the UK can enjoy a holiday in Scotland. And especially welcome our friends from, from the south of the border, obviously, they are always very welcome in Scotland. The, the aim is to resume on the 15th of July, provided the science is with us. And fingers crossed the, the virus's numbers are going in the right direction. They're going down at the moment. But I should make that caveat. Um, what I've heard is that for some types of accommodation, there's been a very lively bookings uh, response. I think in the self catering side, less so in large hotels. So if you, you know, if you fancy looking uh, booking in in Creaf Hydro or or a, a Glen Eagles, or you know, depending I suppose on your your preference and your, your, uh, your desire, then, of course, they, they do have vacancies at the moment. But there has been a good response to the announcement. I think the industry wanted a date to work towards, yeah. and we I was able to persuade my health colleagues that it was a reasonable thing to do. It was a difficult judgment call. Um, the other thing is, obviously, we've got the social distancing at two meters at the moment, and that's the right place for it to be right now. But, you know, it's not written in blocks of stone. If the science moves forward, if the R number goes down, then I hope it will be possible to review that because that's a real restriction on some businesses not only being able to resume legally, but to resume profitably. You know, businesses won't go back if they can't make money. I'm conscious that the social distancing rule is a bit of a barrier there at the moment. Everybody recognises that. But both the Prime Minister and the First Minister at the moment, Alan, say that we have to stick with two metres, but I hope in the coming weeks and not months that we will see some movement on that.
3: Good. Well, I must, I must admit, Cabinet Secretary, that um, in response to your announcement last week, I have booked uh, uh, an agritourism stay in the in the north of Fife in August, so uh, we're looking for a change of scenery for our family to to try and uh, step away from some of our challenges that we've been facing, living at cheek by jowl with each other for as long. So looking forward to that, looking forward to seeing a different part of the the country and, and enjoying hopefully some some good weather um, and and seeing those recovery shoots coming through. Um, we've made some, some of our podcasts recently have been, we've featured Caroline Miller talking about agritourism, but we've also featured the business community about how important those conversations and those opportunities at the show are. But we've also talked about both RET and RSABI as, as organisations I know you are um, familiar with and, dare I say, probably fond off in terms of the, the things you've said in the past. What's the next thing that the farming community should be thinking about to make sure that um, you know we're as well placed to come out of COVID, um, if those science and numbers are all heading in the right direction?
1: Um, Farming in Scotland is is achieving a period of of pretty solid success at at the moment. I think there are some particular COVID challenges. Uh, Obviously, with distilling having um, reduced a bit, there are concerns about the the um, market. For maltings and of course not just distilling, but um, the brewery, the the beer side as well. There's also the fruit picking side that you know we have seen some ingenious arrangements uh, in the Angus area by some of the main players. So there are areas of of immediate possible concern: the beef price and the the dairy price. I've mentioned as well, but by and large, I think Alan, uh, I get the feeling that an awful lot of people in farming are doing okay at the moment. The weather's been been, been quite good uh, with the spring grass has been, been pretty good as I understand around most of the country so things are going well uh, on the Rhett and our Sabi, yes the the Rohan Show does a great job in educating children uh, every year I think is it 60 or 70 thousand kids that uh, you reach out to
3: that's right yeah
1: so I think there's more that we can do to educate children I would like to see every child in Scotland get the chance to visit a farm I mean you know if you're a boy in, in a in in parts of, of glasgow i mean i've heard it said that they don't know that potatoes uh, that uh, chips come from potatoes you know if you're a child you only know what you can learn you know i do think children learn by seeing and doing and i very much hope that you know we can see as as we were about to progress before lockdown um you know a, a series of of more children getting to understand farming whether it be a farm visit or Other means and on the the other side of things, our Sabi is doing a great job, but the worrying thing, Alan, is that when the lockdown happened, I I think I'm right in saying from speaking to to Nina uh, and our Sabi that the, the number of customers doubled pretty quickly, which is a worrying sign. If you know of people that you might a neighbor that might be struggling a wee bit, you know, there's there's no harm in reaching out and seeing if they can do with a wee bit of help. Often the first call is the toughest one. So I know from speaking to Nina, but also her team of counsellors, what a great job they do. Uh, we did provide a little bit more money to enable them to hire some more um, expert um, counsellors, experienced people, experienced in life, you know, able to have a conversation with a farmer of 60 on terms where they can be trusted and, and actually make a difference. So I was really impressed by our Sabi from the work I've seen so that's probably more important now than, than, it, than it has
3: been. I think that's absolutely right. And they've got their hashtag Keep Talking campaign that they've been running all the way through June. And, and we are helping with that, um, uh, not just to promote it, but also uh, the RAS directors. We are doing a, a Phone 5 initiative. And that's about the conversations that you would normally have around the Royal Highland Show that you know you're going to miss this year. Pick up the phone and, and speak to a few different people. And as you say, it might just be that phone call of, Say you know, I'm thinking of you. I'm missing the fact that we'll have a chance to have a a chat at the ringside, or at the bar, or at the QMS briefing, you know, to see what what might come and and have that social interaction. It'll not it'll never replace what we can't have this year at the Royal Highland Show, but it does give you a, a chance to have some of those soft engagements,
0: gentlemen. I'm terribly sorry to interrupt. This has been fascinating. And and again, Cabinet Secretary, we're hugely grateful for your input. Thank you. Um, I'm conscious we've just got three or four minutes left. um, And I wonder, Cabinet Secretary, if you'd mind just giving us a few uh, further thoughts on the current debate going on about the standard of of food imports and everything surrounding that.
1: Sure. Um, Well, I, I... Fervently believe that um, we must protect ourselves against the, the importation of beef, for example, where that has not been produced in accordance with the very high standards of of animal welfare, of looking after the animals, and of uh, hygiene and traceability and provenance. We have the highest standards in the world here, and you know we've learned the hard way eh, over the years with disease problems. In some countries, there's no provenance whatsoever. None, no ability to determine where a problem has arisen if there's a disease problem. So I think there's a very strong mood in the farming communities that that this is something that must be done by government. Michael Gove did assure me um, some time ago last year that this would be included in in a trading bill about trade. I don't think that's happened as yet. I think there was uh, an amendment from a Tory MP actually to make this the law which was rejected. So I'm not quite sure where we are at the moment, but as far as, I, don't, I really don't want to be political, but I think the overwhelming view of, of farmers in Britain, not just Scotland, is we must be protected against the flooding of cheap, cheaper imports, cheaper because they don't have to comply with the same standards and abattoirs, for example, or traceability, protection against disease, welfare. If you don't have these standards, you can produce more cheaply and you can undercut the prices in Britain as a result. That's not right. That must be prevented. So I'm grateful for the opportunity to make that clear.
0: Thank you very much. And I know from your ongoing support of Scotland Food and Drink, for example, that you know you, you support in exactly the same way we do, that Scotland is a land of food and drink with the most phenomenal reputation. And, and we need to make sure that that reputation Stand strong.
1: Well, indeed, and uh, you know that's uh, it's one of Scotland's greatest assets, and it will continue to be. You know, with post-COVID, we will continue to be producing high-quality food thanks to Scotland's farming community, and uh, I'm very proud of them.
3: I think I think that's right that we don't miss the opportunity to to make those connections and, and celebrate them, whether that's at home because we're getting local deliveries of local food, or whether it's at something like the, the Royal Highland Show. Um, Cabinet Secretary, I always like finding out what people would where they would first head to if they had a free schedule at the Royal Highland Show. So, if your ministerial diary was cleared for the day and you're walking in the gate at Ingolston with a full Highland Show going on, if you had open choice, where would you go to first?
1: Um, well, I probably I probably would go first to where I normally go first, which is to get a good roll in sausage at the QMS stand. I think I'd head there first because. You know, after I consume that, then everything else in the day would tend to go pretty well.
3: I'm sure Alan Clark and the team would be delighted to to hear that.
0: That was a great chat. And thank you to the Cabinet Secretary and to Alan Laidlaw. And thank you for listening and being with us. That's it from me for a while. It'll be Monty with the next episode, which will be released on Monday, the 29th of June. If you're listening on the day this episode is first released, that's Thursday, the 18th of June, the first day of what should have been The Highland Show. It's also National Keep Talking Day from RSABI. So we'll leave you this time with a few words about the Keep Talking campaign from RAS chairman, Bill Gray.
2: We're all going to miss everything about the show. The spectacle, the buzz, the colour, the atmosphere, livestock, trade stands, horses, food, all the things that we normally enjoy when we go to see the show. However, I think the thing that will be missed the most is the social interaction and the ability to catch up with friends that you haven't seen for quite some time. So to help RSABI's Keep Talking campaign, the society is launching its Phone 5 initiative. So what we're asking you to do is to pick up the phone and speak to five people that you would normally speak to during the show, or you'd normally catch up with during the show. It'll be the hashtag Phone 5 initiative. So John, Neil, Rob, Colin, Kalina, you're gonna get a call from me shortly. Pick up the phone, everybody. Call five people that you would normally speak to at the show and make a date to meet up again at next year's show so here's looking forward to 2021